Welcome to Satisfy, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church, and I'm here with the... Bobby Gaither. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you, you built that one up real good, man. Well, I, you know, I was expecting <laughs> you to take it over the top. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Um, it's, it's early. It's Saturday morning. Uh, hey, Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsborough, Oregon. How you doing today, bud? Ah, I'm looking outside. Sun's sun is uh, crusting or creeping up over the uh, edge of the horizon. It's a beautiful day. Uh, I, I'm uh, my my window faces west, so I it looks dark. Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, it's a good morning. Um, it's we're in our second week of Advent. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, we have Christmas lights up on the church. Uh, we had a, a a guy here at our, our church body actually put up Christmas lights at our, on our house. On your house? Which is great. My, oh, yes. Wait, he came to your house and put lights up? He, well, it's, it's about 400 feet from the church, so it's not hard well, to Well, yeah, but, but he came to your house? I have not, No one comes to my house awesome? and puts lights up. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? So, so uh, we had extra Christmas lights um, from last year, and we fixed a few strands. And so he said, well, hey, well, what are you doing these extra ones? And I said, well... Nothing, I guess. He, he said, do you have Christmas lights on your house? I said, no. Do you want some? My wife would love that. Um, and I hate putting up Christmas lights. I'll do it for the church. I'll do it for the church. Um, but it's often been a pain to do that at my house. Just, just because there's other things to do, people to see, places to go. I don't know. But So he went and put those up. And um, yeah, man, it's... It's Christmas Dude. season. It's Advent season. Are you guys doing anything um, for Advent at your church? Yeah, we we celebrate Advent. So uh, love, hope, joy, peace, Christ. Those are the four Advent candles that we light. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll have a Christmas Eve service to, for the culmination. Um, and we have different people come up and read scripture during the service. And our sermons are themed. They're still expositional. But our sermons are themes uh, uh, with with those themes. Um, yeah, how about you guys? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, we we do a, an Advent lighting uh, each Sunday where a family comes up, reads scripture. They also give a family tradition, uh, so that's kind of fun. Uh, And then right now we put out a Luke Bible reading plan. Uh, So we're making our way through the book of Luke, the whole church is during Advent. And so that's pretty cool. And Chris Gorman and I, one of our elders, uh, we're putting out videos each week uh, regarding uh, the the reading that week for Advent. So that's kind of new. We haven't done that before. It's kind of fun. Neat. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we are... We're finishing up the Beatitudes today. We're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount Mm. describes the life of a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. And so we've been going through the Beatitudes, which are really a description of the Christian, of what it looks like to live for Jesus. And we end in verses 10, 11, and 12. Do you want to tell them what we're looking at today? Tell me what, what uh, I don't know what you mean. What are we? We're looking at the Beatitudes. <laughs> you mean? Do I want to read the passage? Sure. <laughs> Sorry, man. I wasn't sure what you were asking. Um, nor was I prepared. For that. <laughs> so, um, I I will grab my Bible, which I can't because I'm yeah, I yeah. So we I got it. You want me to do it? 
Yeah, you do. All right. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, So yeah, we're looking at at persecution, uh, suffering, dying, being reviled, slandered, you know, fun things that we all love talking about. Well, fun things we all love experiencing, right? Totally. That's th- those are things that give us joy. Um, <laughs> well, they're supposed to. Right? Well, there is great joy. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 how how do we how do we understand this from a biblical perspective? Um, what what is it about um, suffering that brings joy? Uh, so let's let's start. I mean. Let's go back to the word blessed. What does blessed mean? I think we should remind ourselves of that. Yeah, well, when we come to blessed, Jesus is is declaring those who are in his kingdom as blessed. Um, We're not earning these blessings, but we are blessed. Um, And it means to be happy, to be full of joy. Uh, it's a declaration that, that God is, that Jesus is giving us, that we are blessed. And in receiving that, there is joy in that. And so when we go through these Beatitudes, Jesus is saying, this people who live like this, who have faith in me, are blessed. And what's then maybe ironic or what appears strange is that you have things like poor in spirit and mourning and meeking yeah. and merciful yeah. and and persecuted. And Jesus is saying, man, if you're persecuted, you're blessed. If you're poor in spirit, you're blessed. If you mourn, you're blessed. If you're meek, you're blessed. Which these are completely different than the way the world would, would ever begin to describe what blessed is. Well, and, and the word actually, it does mean happy. Yeah. Like it, it, but it's a richness. There's a rich happy there. This isn't the, uh, the hashtag I'm blessed. You know? uh, I'm driving in my, my Mercedes hashtag blessed, you know, um, it, it really is. Um, so people, people with Mercedes aren't blessed. Well, that's not what I'm saying, <laughs> but, but, but it's not about the, the physical material yeah. is even the circumstance, um, that that we uh, in our fleshly state would call blessed. I mean, I mean, look at the things that Jesus is saying um, makes us blessed: to be poor in spirit, to be uh, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be meek. Uh, you know, and now he's, he's blessed are the peacemakers, and then blessed are the, you when those when, when you're persecuted. Like that's not that does not fit in a prosperity gospel mindset. Um, but if it's with the true gospel. So here he's saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Uh, it, you know that little um, chart that we talked about earlier that you made for us that I actually um, put into practice and used and you didn't? No um, clue what you're talking so, about. <laughs> okay, so ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to know, uh, of the two of us, Nick is definitely the more organized, the more uh, linear, the more 
Um, I mean, it has bullet points and, and things like that. Even when I, I bet you that he has goals for our friendship and there's probably bullet points with it. You don't have goals. Right? I have goals. <laughs> I got some resolutions coming up for this next year for us, buddy. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Jonathan Edwards. Um, so, so in, in this, uh, outline that he set me, one of the things was kind of the historical theology. Okay. Think about who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to a large, to, to, to a crowd, right, at this point. He's talking to his disciples, but he had just fed thousands, right? He's gathered a bunch of people. Um, and within those people, I mean, you've you got to imagine there's going to be zealots there. There's going to be uh, just regular townsfolk, I guess you would say. Um, and for him to say, blessed are the peacemakers, for the zealots to hear that, that had to go against everything that they believed nationalistic Israel should be. I mean, think about that. Blessed are the peacemakers. What do you mean peacemakers? We're, we're an oppressed people. We are here under the thumb of Rome. Uh, we're supposed to be God's kingdom. We're supposed to rule the world. Uh, so for, and how? How is he calling us to peace? Well, I mean, think about everything he said before. So we get to this blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. It's not fitting with their cultural understanding of what the Messiah is supposed to do. Um, the Messiah is supposed to, in their mind, ride in on a on a war horse and cast down all the enemies. I mean, you see that in various places, you know, in in the Bible as well in the Old Testament. Um, but Jesus depicts that differently. Um, he he's not. He, he's making peace, right, by, by the means of his blood. He's making peace um, by, between man and God, uh, and ultimately between man and God, but also between man and man. And so for him to come and say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, that's going to fly in the face of any nationalistic Hebrew who wants to kick out the, the nation of Rome and set up their their Christendom, right? right. Or we would call it Christendom. Their, their, their uh, theocracy where the Messiah rules the world. No, I, I don't have thoughts on no, that. No, it's, it's good. You're, you're hitting on where Israel was in the first century on how, on how they would, would push against blessed are the persecuted. And I think that that's something that we here in America, we wrestle with also. Blessed are the persecuted. Um, we, we often think that power and strength uh, are the means in which kingdoms are established. And yet, when we come to God's word, we read what? 1 Corinthians 1.18, uh, that God uses the things that are foolish. Uh, and the weak things of the world. Yeah. The cross is the means in which God has redeemed people, a crucified Messiah. And so the entire way that God works is counter-cultural to the ways of the world. And in fact, uh, you know, and I, I think that's a good reminder for us that when we believe in Jesus, we're entering into a different kingdom. 
with different values, with a different king, with a different way of life. And because we are now a part of Jesus's kingdom, we are in the crosshairs of this world. We are going at odds with the worldly powers, which is why he says, you're persecuted for righteousness sake, for doing right. For living like Jesus, you'll be persecuted. Or in verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So because we follow Jesus, we're going to be slandered and persecuted and reviled. Um, And it's because of our allegiance to Jesus. So coming to Jesus automatically puts us in uh, against the ways of the world. And the world hates that. And in fact, when you go to Revelation 12, you know, I was looking at that earlier where it talks about how, you know, Satan has been thrown down to earth. And it says he, he goes after the offspring of the woman, meaning his desire now is to attack the church. And so for the last 2000 years, we see that on how he has attacked and persecuted the church, on how there are people groups all over the world who, just because they're Christian, could be killed, uh, can, uh, can be arrested wrongly for whatever reason that is, uh, that is given. And so, uh, Jesus is definitely reminding us that to be blessed by him, to be a citizen in his kingdom, is to be in a different kingdom than the things of this world. Yeah. Well, and, and it's so good. It's important for us also to recognize and not have a persecution complex, especially here in America. Yeah. The, you, you said it before, you know, we hit record. The heat's just getting turned up a little bit. <laughs> That's all that's happening. I mean, we're like, don't get me wrong. We're, we're in the pot, right? Uh, and the pot's on the stove and it's got water in it. And, and it's 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 the heat's turning up, but it's not boiling yet, and and we need to recognize that though though we will receive persecution, though though we will be hated, and I think we even are. I I, I think there's a rising opposition uh, um, to Christianity, and really what it is is to God. Yeah, it's to God's ways, and that's always been. That's never not been the case. Right since Genesis three, since since Adam and Eve sinned and fell in the garden, um, with the the uh, progeny of sin, so to speak, which is you know we're we're all sinners by birth. Um, there's always been an opposition to God and His ways. Um, that's never not that's never not been the case in the world, save the Garden of Eden. And we're just now experiencing in our country where maybe the majority is shifted. Maybe the majority has shifted away from um, a generally a God-fearing nation to one who doesn't. Yeah. You know, even if it's you know whether it's Christianity or just just a a a country that generally believes there is a God, um, to a country that's generally believing there isn't, or, or if there is, you can't name him, um, or. Or even assign a gender, <laughs> but that's a whole different conversation. So, so where we are now is we, we need to recognize that yes, there's going to be um, we will be hated for the cause, we will be disliked. Um, but man, that's 
that's just the beginning. I mean, that, that that's nothing compared to our brothers and sisters in India, uh, our brothers and sisters in China, our brothers and sisters uh, in the Middle East. Um, uh, and we got to be prepared, be prepared for that too. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, and, and what does, what should be our prayer in that? Well, you know, I think our prayer is that we stand firm as we're going through the, the suffering. You know, I was telling you, I, I sat with guys who, man, are in a different country and because they're Christian, they could be killed at any moment. In fact, uh, some of these guys that we support over there uh, have been arrested wrongly this year, and we've had to to send money to help bail them out. And they were just holding them and waiting for us to waiting for someone to give them money because they figured if they arrest a Christian, they would make some money off of it. And and when I've I've talked with these guys, and when some of them have been some of their, their loved ones have been killed. Their friends have been killed all because of Jesus. Not one of them says, we want the persecution to stop. But what they say is, we pray we stand firm. They say, we don't even pray for persecution to stop because they realize the good that comes out of it. And they see the joy in it. Not that they, not again, not that there's a persecution complex that, that we all just hunger and thirst for for being persecuted, but they see how God uses it. Um, I mean, I was I was going through just some texts earlier and looking at you know. So he says, "Blessed are those who are persecuted," and he says, um, "Blessed are you when others revile." And he says, "Rejoice and be glad." I mean, that's just crazy. Rejoice and be glad. In fact, in Luke, I think he says, uh, "Rejoice and leap for joy." We were to leap for joy at persecution. And so I just started thinking, like, what? Why? Why, why can we leap for joy? Um, and I came up with just some of the verses. And like one was, you know, like the Romans 8, 31 to 39, where, uh, where Jesus or Paul says, you know, uh, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who was interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? And he just walks through all these things and he says, no, we're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Um, Peter will say, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit, of the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. When you're persecuted, it shows the authenticity of your faith. Um, and we just go on and on through so many passages that talk about what God is actually doing in the persecution, not only for our sake, but also for the world. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, Hebrews, Paul, yeah. or not Paul, the author of Hebrews says, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So, I mean, what is our joy? Our joy is that we have a greater treasure in heaven. And, and you know, if you think through the context of that, you know, Christians were in prison. They went and they had compassion. They visited them. They came. They identified themselves with them and 
I mean, what we what we gather is that while they were visiting, their property was plundered. Yeah. Uh, whether by the government or by whomever, uh, and and so they knew that okay, if I go and associate myself with these people, I'm going to suffer consequence. I'm going to lose. I mean, that's. I mean, man. And here's the thing, Americans. <laughs> we are so. Um, protective of both our rights and our property and our money uh, are we willing would we consider it would, would we joyfully accept the plundering of our property over over loving someone being associated with um, Christ yeah I mean w- w- would we do that are we ready to do that um that that's part of that's part of persecution. Well, and uh, that that's sorry, but go into that. Like I don't, I think you make a great point. Would we, would we count it joy? Would we, would we think that that is good? Man, I tell you, I think only the only reason we will count it joy is the more we understand the gospel the more we come back and, and really like what our, what our title of podcast is satisfied, right? The more we know that Jesus is everything. If we're not convinced of the gospel or we have some lukewarm understanding, like you go to the churches in Revelation, right? Revelation chapters two and three, they're all getting real friendly with the world. They're all bringing in all these false teachers, sexual morality is all going in the world. You bring suffering into that, they're going to fall because they're not loving Jesus. They're compromising in the gospel. But when we understand, like going to like uh, Romans 5, where he says, uh, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Like through suffering, Jesus is making us more like him. He's preparing us for the day that he will return. He's making us like the one whom we treasure, whom the one that we love, the one who has died on the cross for us so that we could have everlasting life. Uh, He's preparing us for the wedding feast. And if we don't have an understanding of the gospel that Jesus is far better than everything in this world, then we're going to still be living for the things of this world. And when they get taken or when our comfort, our riches, uh, any of those things start getting pressed upon, we're going to push back pretty hard and we're going to resist it. If we, if, if in our heart and mind, we feel like there's a better groom than Jesus. Yeah. If, a, if what the world has to offer is, is, is a better spouse than Jesus, then we will not be at the wedding feast. Yeah. We will be outside. Um, I think of second Corinthians four and five. Dude, that's what uh, I just and, clicked and, on. Second Corinthians four. Like that's Yeah. I'm with you. Well, and yeah, and so, I mean, he starts out with the treasure that we're talking about, right? We have this treasure in jars of clay. Well, what is that treasure? Like, it's the very spirit of God, right? If you, if you, in fact, the love of God, if you go just, just to the verses before it, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is this treasure that has been poured into us, right? And then he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Clay breaks pretty easily. 
but for what reason? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're, we're, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in you, in us, but life in you. So if, if I just going to encapsulate that, this picture of this, this jar of clay, that's us. We're earth and clay. We're formed from the dust that God, God has created. He breathed life into us. We get afflicted. We get dropped. We get hit. Uh, we're perplexed. Um, I, I, I would say we're even cracked oftentimes. Yeah. Um, we're cracked pots. But it's not until we're afflicted, it's not until we're hit, that our treasure spills out. I mean, just think, I mean, this is why suffering, this is why persecution, this is why the greatest manifestation and growth of the gospel happens when the church is persecuted. Because our treasure spills out. What? People, people see that, for, that which we really value, that which we really love. So, so we're being handed over to death for Jesus' sake. But for what reason? So that the life of Jesus is, is going to be manifest in our mortal flesh. Yeah. Like, we're willing to suffer for this because it is that great of a treasure. And I think that's true of anything. If any, anything you love, you're going to be willing to sacrifice for and that which you love the most, you'll be willing to sacrifice the most for. So here's the question, people. Whom do you love? Yeah. And, and the answer is shown in that which you're willing to sacrifice for. That which you're willing to suffer for. Yeah, because when you can have joy, when you can have joy in suffering, it shows the world that you value something far more than life, that you value far more than comfort, that you value something far more than what the world would say is most valuable. Our suffering is a way of showing this, the insurpassable worth of Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean that, that's why like further down in that passage in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, this light momentary affliction, wait, what? Like he just says, we're crushed, not perplexed, driven to despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down. Not, I mean, basically this resume of just like a beatdown, right? And he's like, it's light and momentary. Why? Because it prepares for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. But the only way the world sees that we believe Jesus is far more beautiful, is far more glorious than all the riches and all the things we have in this world is through that suffering. When we're willing to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel, it shows the world there's something that we believe is far more valuable than this world. In fact, uh, Paul in, was it, Colossians, uh, he says, I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now you might say, well, what is lacking? Well, the physical suffering of Jesus is lacking. Like, we don't see Jesus suffering anymore. We read about it, but when we as the church, we suffer, 
We're revealing Christ's afflictions. We're showing what Christ has done for us. It's a means that God uses to show the reality of the gospel. We're showing the world Jesus. We're showing that he's better, that he's greater. And we know that this world is not all there is. And I think, you know, I think what John, you mentioned Jonathan Edwards earlier uh, in passing, but he spent, what, 20 minutes a day thinking about heaven? Now, I don't know how he did that. Now, you talk about a guy who's regimented. Man, he had to like have everything all planned out. But he said he, he spent 20 minutes a day thinking about heaven. And he did that because he never wanted to think that this earth was everything. And I don't know how possibly I could like carve out 20 minutes a day and think about heaven. But I do believe that he's on to something that if we are too earthly minded, we will miss what it is to live for the gospel. We need to be heavenly minded. You know, John, uh, Jay Pip, you're, you're, yeah, Jay Pip, my buddy, Jay Pot, John yeah, Piper. Yeah. Him. He's my ghostwriter. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh he, I heard a sermon by him once, um, and he said he, he approached the, the saying, you know, the people who are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good, and he said that, that's, a, that's exactly, exactly the opposite is true, is those who are heavenly minded are the most earthly good. Yeah. Uh, because because we set, we set our, our hopes and our mind according to what true reality is. And, and therefore, if we're heavenly minded, we're living according to true reality, true reality, and showing the world what that true reality is. Um, back to that idea of suffering, you know, Paul talks about Philippians 3, uh, for his sake I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, literally dung, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that's my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. And here it is, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering. Yeah. Like, Paul's desire was to share in the sufferings of Christ. Why? It's, it's, it's identifying himself with Christ. To know him, to know the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, to become like him in his death, so that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so in... In walking through pain and trial and suffering and persecution, we're we're identifying ourselves. We're knowing Jesus more. Um, hey, can I? And that is the that is the goal. Can can I like you? You hit something really good there. Like we we want to live like those we we love or we look up to. Yeah. Or we worship yeah. like our kids. Man, we, we got little basketball stars in the making, right? <laughs> oh, maybe. Uh, but who do they love? They love Steph Curry. Like, you know, rain down the threes. Um, uh, that would be Dame Lillard, buddy. Dame Lillard. Who? I'm sorry. Who? Yeah, I, although I can't say much. Golden State Warriors aren't, aren't very high on any uh, list right now. But we love, like, the LeBron James, the Damian Lillard, the uh, Steph Curry, all these guys. And, and my kid, your kid, kids would love nothing more than to shoot like they do, to play like they do. They want to, they want their life to look like them. And, and I think that's great. That's what we do, right? When we look at one another, that's how we spur one another often in the church. Uh, Paul says, imitate me as he imitates Christ. But ultimately it is, it's Christ 
that we ought to live like. And if our goal is to live like Jesus, then our life will look like him where he was mistreated, where he was slandered, where he was abused, and he did end up being crucified and killed. And yet, we read in Philippians 2 that because of that, God has exalted him and glorified him, and he sits on the very throne of God. And so just that whole reminder that we live like those whom we worship. We live like those whom we admire and look up to. And when we truly love Christ, our life will begin to look like him. Um, all yeah, throughout the New Testament. First John. Um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say in First John, uh, I, I try to find it right now. I just read it the other day. It's either in three or four or five. Uh, <laughs> Did you say in chapters three, four, or five? <laughs> and like somewhere numbers. in most of the book of First John. Somewhere, um, as he is, so also are we in this world. I mean, it. it come on now, come on now. There it is, First John four seventeen. Uh, by this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world like as jesus is so also are we um, we're perfected by the love of god we have confidence to go before the throne of god yeah. because of jesus and and we're to to be i mean jesus says we're called to the servant is to become like his master so just as Jesus laid down his life for the sake of others, so are we. Just as Jesus washed feet, cared, served, so are we. Just as Jesus proclaimed the gospel, so are we. Just as Jesus was the son of God, a son of light, now we are children of God. Just as Jesus was persecuted, so are we. Hey, do you think, do you think our problem is a discipleship issue? Like, like, okay, people come to Jesus and, and we begin to disciple them in the church, but how much do we talk to them about, about persecution and suffering? I mean, normally it's, hey, you got to read your Bible, you got to pray, you're involved in church, you know, good things. Um, but like, like Philippians 1.29 says, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should believe, but also suffer for his sake. So he says your believing in Jesus is a gift and your suffering for his sake is a gift. Like, like when you got called to be a Christian, you were given things, belief and the call to suffer. And I, I just, you know, as you're, as you're talking, as we're wrestling, I'm just kind of wondering how, how we as Christians, the church, we, we need to do a better job just discipling Oh, on suffering. Well, it, it, it might even it might even go back before discipleship. I think there's a lot of um, entrance into the kingdom, quote unquote, that doesn't involve Jesus being your king. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it, unfortunately, the gospel message goes out as and do you want to be saved from your sin, which, you know, the, all of our answers should be yes. Do you want heaven and not hell? The answer should be yes. But really, what we're calling people to is, do you want Jesus as your king? And, and I think that's where there's a lot of people who would answer yes to the first two, 
but no to the second. Yeah. Or the, or the last. I want Jesus you know? for his benefits, but not I, for who I, I he want is. Je- I, I want God's gifts. I want God's but gifts. I, 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 I mean, but totally. I don't, want, I don't. I don't want him himself. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to be ruled by him. And and there's not an option. Like if if you if you come into the kingdom of God, it implies there is a king, and you are a subject of that king. We we're called to be obedient to his word, right? Jesus said, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." Um. If you abide in me, um, I'll make my home in you. Uh, I, the, the kingdom of God is not without the rule of God. Um, and we who, who love our king love his rule. Like I, I want for nothing else than to Jesus, for Jesus to rule my life. Um, and I submit myself to him because of that. Uh, so is it discipleship? Yes. But I think it's also in how we proclaim the gospel. Um, I think, I think there's a lot of people who think they're converts, who think they're Christians, but they don't submit to his rule and therefore they are not. No, I agree. I agree. You know, um, first, first Peter four, one says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. It talks about, you know, the value of suffering there and how it it actually purifies us that we would no longer wrestle with the things of the flesh, but would actually desire more and more to live for God. But the first part of that verse is what really stands out to me. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Okay. Because Jesus, our King, our Savior suffered, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Be prepared to suffer. Know that that is what it is to be a disciple. No, I mean, that's just reiterating Matthew 5.10. Blessed are the persecuted. Arm yourself. It's only... It's almost like the disciples' letters are consistent with the teaching of Jesus. What? Like unity within the Bible? Like, like there's a common thread throughout the Bible. Hey, speaking of common thread, we, we passed over this. Can we run, jump back to um, peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, yeah. for they should be called sons of God. Um, it, Jerusalem, the city of God, right? The very name Jerusalem means what? Peace. Peace. <laughs> I blinked for a moment. I was like, "Oh, trick question." Shalom, shalom, right? Yeah. Jerusalem. It's supposed to be a city of peace. Uh, and if you if you look back, right, we we see Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek, king of Salem. So his his name means righteousness is king. Okay, Melchizedek, and he's from Salem, from from this. He's king of peace, right? So he's this, this forerunner of Jesus, right, as our great high priest, right? He was a priest of the Most High God, um, all pointing to Jesus, all pointing to what Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, will be. It's a city of peace. It's a city of righteousness. Um, so, so we have to, I mean, there is a, there's a thread in the Bible uh, that's sown throughout the Old Testament all the way back to Abraham. 
that's pointing to the coming Messiah who will bring righteousness and peace. I just think that's phenomenal if you, if, you, if you ponder that. God's objective and his aim has been the same from the beginning. And, and how did Jesus bring peace? So, so we're to be peacemakers on the earth, right? 2 Corinthians 5. If we just continue along that thread as well, if you keep reading... Uh, therefore, we have this ministry of reconciliation. Like, we're called to, to preach the gospel of peace. How lovely are at the feet of them, right? How lovely are the mountains at the feet of them who bring good news, who bring the gospel, who bring peace. So we're called to be peacemakers. And I think, you know, oftentimes we think that that's just, well, let's reconcile friends, you know. Let's make sure there's no war, let's, and, which are all good things. But, but, but really, we're called to be makers of peace between man and God. And, and it's actually for that very thing that we're persecuted. Yeah. No, it's good. Jesus came and established peace, and he does throughout the cross. And the way we continually display the hope of the world is through our joy in suffering and in preaching the gospel. And, and I think what we see here in the Beatitudes is to be blessed by God is not necessarily to be blessed in this world. There are times we will. Sometimes we will drive that Mercedes. Um, But that's definitely no one-to-one. You know, we're blessed by God, therefore we have physical things. But to be blessed by God, if anything, is we see that we will be in the crosshairs of the world. And as we preach the message of Christ, the peace of Christ, and live like Him, we will be persecuted. Um, and I think, you know, here in America, like just to, to touch on it, we're, we're seeing the heat get turned up to some degree. Um, I definitely don't want to be any alarmist or anything, but I think we're, we're moving in a trajectory that we're going to see things change over the next year or years. Um, however fast that might happen, I don't know. But, but I think just like what we read in First Peter, we need to arm ourselves with the kind of thinking. We need to look at Christ. We need to understand the gospel. We need to continually remind ourselves, like coming back to Philippians 3, that Jesus is of more value than all the things of this world. And, to remind, and I think we need to remind ourselves of that. That's one thing as we come together each week as a church and in table groups, we need to constantly remind ourselves of the greatness of Jesus and superiority of him over all the gifts of the world. Because one day, all the things of this world are going to burn. They're all going to pass away. And there's going to be one kingdom that reigns forever in a new heavens and new earth. And that will be Jesus's kingdom. And for all those who are in that kingdom, they will be blessed. And that is a day. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And it's impossible to do this without faith. Yeah. It's impossible to please God without faith, but it's impossible to... Um, 
it's, it's impossible to sit through persecution without faith. I mean, we, you really have to believe that Jesus is king, that he is, God is sovereign, and he sovereignly loves and cares for us, <clears throat> that everything that, that comes to us is, is really from his hand. It's, it's even, even the, circ- the circumstance we're in, with, whether it's COVID or whether it's um, whatever trial you may have, let's just, let's just open it up to that. Uh, God has allowed you to be in that trial in order for his glory, for your treasure to show. And so like our brothers and sisters in India, do we pray the persecution end? No, we pray for faithfulness that God would be known in our trial. Yeah. That that which we love and treasure most would be most glorified uh, in our trial so that the world may know him and see him and so that God would be honored. That's good. All right, man. Blessed are the persecuted. It's a, it's a sobering one. It's a wake-up call. It's a reminder, and we need it constantly. If we lose track on this, we're losing what it is to, to be a Christian, that we are of a different citizenship, we have a different kingdom, um, and that to be a Christian actually means we've been called out of something. And so I think we need to regularly be reminding ourselves, blessed are the persecuted, uh, arm ourselves with that way of thinking, see the joy and the beauty and the surpassing worth of Christ. So you want to pray us up today? Uh, pray us out. Let's go. Lord Jesus, thank you for my brother Nick, whom I love. Uh, well, thank you for this time that we get to um, really rejoice in you and and Lord, look uh, deeper at your word. Uh, remind each other, Lord, and, and Lord, may, may what we say and, uh, on this podcast be of encouragement to those who would be listening. Uh, Lord, strengthen your church, we pray. Strengthen our resolve in you. Um, Lord, draw us deeper into uh, the knowledge of Christ. Uh, may we rejoice all the more in the treasure, Lord, that is ours, uh, which is knowing you, which is loving you, which is being um, part of your kingdom, Lord. Uh, would you grant us, Lord, uh, the ability to sit and to remain in trial, Lord, uh, that when we are struck, that when we are persecuted, Lord, that our treasure would spill out, that those around us would see and know, Lord, that we love you uh, even over our own lives. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Satisfied. Uh, you can check us out at satisfiedinchrist.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. Hey, we encourage you, uh, leave us a comment. If there's something you want us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you and discuss any of the things that you would like us to. Also, if you don't mind, jump on um, Podbean or Apple Podcasts, whatever your favorite uh, listening podcast app is and give us a rating. Uh, We'd love to have that as our rating grows. It also helps us to be able to share the gospel with more people. Um, All right. Hey, can can we we throw a quick shout out to uh, Major Mitch Marks? Major Mitch Marks. He's been promoted. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so we want to throw out some love to to Major Mitch. 
Yeah, man, and he's the one who's going to take us out with some music right about now. Mm-hmm.